Hello and welcome to Harold Hey, it's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And we're back. It's been a bit. We're back. Uh, today we're talking about Tour de Pond. It's written by Rick Gitelson and it's directed by Dan Poffenmeyer and Julie Murphy Hashaguchi. All good names. I feel like that person must be married or be high It is hyphenated. Oh, that's dope. Um, look, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's been like a month. Uh, the last time you heard me was with Charlotte Spangler Great. Uh, for What's uh, Opera Arnold, which was a fun episode. But it's been like five weeks since Adam's been here. Adam, where have you been? I've been all over this world. Why? Uh, I, I got married. Uh-huh. Um, Congrats. I went on a honeymoon. A honeymoon. Where'd you go? I went to Spain and Portugal. I'm, I'm putting Adam on the spot, but luckily the answers are pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I went to Spain and I Portugal. I went to Spain and Portugal. It, it was, was great. pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, Portugal's the best. Mm-hmm. Spain's amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now we're back on this hot mic. We're back on this hot mic talking about our favorite football-headed geek. Yeah. Hey, Arnold. If you want some hot cakes, go straight to the end of this this, uh, this Don't episode. Stop. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, before before we jump into this episode, um, I'm going to say a couple things. One, Adam curses a lot. It's okay. We still love him. No, I never um, have. The second thing is, before you listen, would you rate and review... <laughs> Why do I have to ask this every time? How hard is it? Yeah, why to do, do we this? have to keep begging? I don't like to beg. I'm done like begging beg. anymore. Um, please, though. Seriously. But really, please, please rate and review. Rate and review. Because um, we got to beat Gilmore guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they are number one on the charts. They are. They're the best. Love uh, you guys. Thanks for the crossover episode. <laughs> All right. Listen to this show. Bye-bye. All right, love you. Bye. <laughs> Tour de Pond, Arnold and Gerald find Sid and Stinky hanging out at the pond at the park, uh, along with a lot of other kids, all of whom are sailing their boats on the open seas. Uh, and Arnold asks Stinky, hey, are you going to are you going to enter the boat race this year? And Stinky says, I guess, but I'm probably going to lose. Why are you going to lose? Because Rex smites smite Higgins is is uh signing up again and he always wins uh and moments later rex himself shows up and he's he's like uh your common uh your common rich fancy boy basically wearing like a sailor's cap and knickers that are a little bit too high and he talks with um uh, a transatlantic accent um and says pish posh that kind of thing and he he says, everybody uh, leave the pond. I'm going to sail now. Uh, and Arnold does not like this. And so he does what he always does, which is signs up for a thing he is not prepared for. And so he challenges Rex to uh, basically saying, I'm going to win this race. Joe and I are going to enter and our boat's going to kick your boat's butt. And so many words. Uh, and uh, so it cut to them in Arnold's room, like stapling a a rudder to the side of a block, and they try to float it in a fish tank, and it sinks. And uh, Grandpa uh, says, "What are you doing?" And they said, "Oh, we're making a boat." And he said, "Well, why didn't you say so?" And so he tells uh, one of his old tales of growing up uh, in the Depression, and he 
uh, talks about almost winning a boat race, but uh, some guy named uh, Smite Higgins cheated and drilled holes in his boat and he lost. Oh, that's the same kid that Arnold and Gerald met. Oh no, it's just his grandson. And so now grandpa is invested because it's tied to his own family history. And so he rummages around in, in his, in the attic and finds, uh, the boat, which he called the source of the G, the, oh, ga- I don't the gallant, the ga- not Gallagher's the comedian. Is the, it the gal? It's the like, Oh, I don't remember. Anyway, it's like some old timey name and, uh, gives it to them to fix up which it needs fixing up let's just say they needed to pimp that ride because it was filled with maggots and mold so there's then a montage of them fixing up this boat the three of them together um uh building up this uh beautiful boat with sails and with a uh, skeleton as a captain and a working uh a, a working rudder with a um a propeller uh and so when it when it cuts to the uh actual day of the race uh, of course, both grandpas are there and they have a little uh, uh, little fight about whose grandson is better. And um, then when the race happens, uh, uh, Rex um, Smite Higgins, his boat is this giant Titanic sized boat that has like smokestacks and uh, powerful uh, like a powerful steam engine and uh he uses the boat to sink all the other boats, except Arnold makes it out. And um, Arnold and Gerald are about to win when he rams into their boat and then they tie because they both are entangled together and they cross the finish line. And so they're in the finals together. And so they race again. But this time, uh, uh, Rex, uh, Rex Smite Higgins decides, oh, I'm going to win anyway. I'm going to turn off, turn off the burner, turn off. He, he tells, he kind of has like a, a minion that he, pushes around and he has him uh, shut down the engine of the, of the boat. Cause he's going to win. Uh, and so while Rex is eating shrimp and dip uh, off the side of the pond, um, the wind picks up and Arnold and Gerald uh, pull ahead. And so it's a clo- it's a close. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Uh, Arnold and Gerald pass the finish line uh, and win, except they crash. And guess what? Rex's boat crashes. Uh, and so nobody wins. Um, which makes uh, Grandpa uh, and Rex uh, Smite Higgins Sr. get into an argument in the water, and Arnold and Rex Jr. uh, shake hands and say these two are acting like children. And that's the episode. Um, That's the plot of the episode. There are little bits of funny things that we'll probably talk about. Um, And I think there is some meat that I kind of didn't, uh, jump into that we'll probably talk talk about more in the later part of the show. Um, I, th- I think a, a fun little detail is that um, so I'm going to call him RSH, Rex Mite Higgins. Yeah. He, his family actually owns the pond. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that this whole, uh, yes. this whole race is uh, happening on. Arnold's like little detail. Arnold's like you don't own the you don't own the pond. He's like actually my family does own the pond. Yeah. So it's a it's a very um like Vanderbilt type of mentality. Uh yeah, and his accent is is incredible. Oh, it's just like it's a I I don't when I say fancy boy, I specifically mean this genre of of 
proper snobby young person that has no right to be that. And he's dressed to the nines with like old timey clothes. Well, it's, and it's like, it's like old money to its core and that he yeah. almost sounds British, but you know, he's not British at all. Right. Right. But somebody in his family definitely was. And there's like an, uh, like they've really taken ownership. Of yes, it. they have. Yeah. And like someone's wanted to keep that part of the speech like alive in their oh, family. Yeah. It's, it sounds like he sounds like Cary Grant. If Cary Grant was snobby and nine, you know, uh, like, like, like fake British really is the, yeah. is the term. Um, so what do you think this episode's about? Do you think there's a thesis scene? I have a couple ideas. Um, but what, what do you think? I don't know. I think this, this is like a kind of an interesting episode. I think, um, it's definitely about like familial baggage yeah, and working through that, which is pretty obvious. Um, I think also there's like, I think something there's like class stuff in there. I think there's stuff to do with like, um, any sort, anytime there's like a dominant group and then there's other minority groups that are trying to like not overtake the dominant group, but basically like get what's theirs. Yeah. Um, and sort of, it's funny. There's a lot of like structural components to this too. Like it talks about like the way that like the whole thing is set up is pretty hilarious, which is like, uh, RSH's family owns the, the pond, which the race right, is occurring right. on. And then on top of that, when they start to race the first time, like the, his fancy boat is like circling all of the boats that are racing to create a whirlpool, to create a whirlpool that they're unable to get out of. Yeah. And everybody else's boats basically get caught up in this whirlpool and against all odds, Arnold's boat goes over the top of the lip of the whirlpool and makes it out. And there's something like, really fun it's, it's very on the nose it's super on the nose and it seems like it i don't know there's so much that you could go into with that like i think there's the type of thing of like the way that rich people like perpetuate their power and their wealth through creating structures that they control and they basically understand the rules too and since they have all of the wealth they're able to like use that to create uh um, ways for them to like um, further themselves either through structures that they create and institutions that they create or through just literal things that they own. Yeah. Yes. And I think to, just so we can listen to it really quick and then we can dive into it. I think, I think there are a couple different ways we can go. Uh, the ways we're not going to go for the, for like a thesis thing is um, uh, uh, like building a dynasty. What does that mean uh, yeah. for both the poor and the rich? Um, also, uh like the difference between like healthy youthful competition versus like adults acting like children, which you see the, I think the very end is all is what it becomes. It becomes about like two kids saying that was fun. But yeah. our, par- our grandparents are acting like children. So I think those are some like a role reverse. Yeah. Thing, I think the but... familial stuff is interesting, but I think to go back to the more economic class talk, um, it's when the grandpa, um, of basically, uh, Rex senior, um, yes. uh, cheats and ruins, um, uh, Arnold's, uh, oh, and I, I guess I forgot to mention that in the, in the, uh, summary, but basically he like ruins Arnold's, um, uh, remote, remote control. Remote control. He, yeah. he ruins it. And he says something very loaded that I think, uh, and uh, we'll listen to it and then I'll read it back, um, again after that. But I think, I think that might be, um, a good place to start. So let's listen to that. Why are we doing all this grandfather? Why? 
Because the reputation of the Smiling Gig's plan is at stake. Now, some may call it cheating, but I call it tradition. They have the temerity to challenge the Smythe Higgins racing dynasty. I'll show them. Okay, so I'll read that again just in case you didn't catch it. Uh, the grandfather says, Some may call it cheating, I call it tradition. And that is you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an Adam and say what? that's the rich talking to the poor right there. The rich you look at the pyramid of the rich and you have the richest on top and the rest of us are carrying them down below. There's something about that phrase. that make, It's like the most Trumpian phrase I've ever heard. Yeah. Like this idea that I well, And it's all, I mean, really it's, it's any person in power who like knows they're in power and, and is going to use every shortcut they possibly can um, to say like, Oh, I know it looks like cheating to the average person, but what it actually is is this other thing that's that's good and not bad. Cheating is bad. This is not cheating. This is something important and good. Well, and I I think it's interesting and important just to sort of dig down and just see how insidious it is and how all it impacts all elements of life and just existence sort of like in, in, in this, what he's talking about and what you see within the boat race is like material advantage where like right. you have, he has like the jets on the back of his boat. Yeah. Like uh, he has like the, the, the ability to, in terms of like you <laughs> talking about like crafts on like boats and those types of things, like a small thing can create like li- a little wake. And a little, little waves, right, right, right? right? He quite literally with his crazy ass boat had the ability to create like a whirlwind. Right. And right. A, like a tornado. That caused devastation to the rest of the. Yeah, yes. The, and, the boaters, the captains, the captains. captains there yeah. Go. Boaters, whatever. But yeah. And I think that's really like, um, it's a good visual representation of sort of what we're talking about is like, it's like poor people can do things wrong. Right. And they can definitely harm themselves and they can harm their family and they can harm other people. But like they just don't have the ability to create mass devastation on a large scale. Right. right. Because they don't have the means to do yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think that part of it is pretty interesting. Um, what do you think? Um, I guess to jump off of that, uh, it. It's. um. It's funny that they chose to have this be a boat race because it's the most stereotypically rich thing. And so to hear a rich person talk about their their big boat is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he the, the first boat you see him with is much smaller than the second boat he has, which is like double the size, has two smokestacks instead of one. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I guess I'm not really saying anything that's that's building on what you're saying, but I guess it's, it's adding to it. Just totally. That, yeah. That conversation well, the progression just of, yeah. Show. Yeah. Showing like, like the material progression basically, yeah. even just of the boats. And I think so. And what, what, I don't know. I think that there's something that quote that he says is like really, and it's an interesting quote and it's a really great line to write because yeah. I think it talk. it's so. Well, it's talking about two things. It's talking totally. about, it's, it's about um, class and it's, it's about class and economics on one hand. So it's more of a social conversation about what, what this man thinks he can do yeah. um, because of his power, basically. But the other conversation is what I think, that, and maybe the whole episode is more about what family baggage and family dynasties 
on any end of the, of the economic spectrum will do to a person's psyche, I guess. Totally. Um, uh, and that, I think, I think that is what the whole episode is talking about from beginning to end, but it's done within the context of, um, a critique on class structure. Totally. Yeah. And I think those, like the idea of setting the rules and like cheating and seeing cheating as like a means to an end, which is the perpetuation of your thing, like your dynasty, your heritage, your traditions or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like in modern, like I think we both simultaneously go to material conditions very quickly when you're talking about like power mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. like between rich and poor. But then I think also in another hand, we completely in terms of policy and all other things we actually don't actually focus on it enough. But I think another way to talk about how insidious this is, is like if, if you're a, a dork like me, um, the idea that the conversation around like identity politics and the problem of identity politics mm. is like a thing like prof, prof, professor types talk about it. And then like op-ed columnists and like New York times and sorts of the liberal elite basically. Well, but not just liberal elite, no, like I... conservative elite as well. Um, and talking about like the problem of identity politics right. and they'll talk about people like people that focus on gender or people that talk like in, in the, um, that deal with race, like the black lives matter folks, all the different people like these, like basically old white men who are right. used to having power, not in the sense of like, um, like great amounts of capital, but like, um, intellectual power sure. where they set the conversations that right. like the people, the elite basically talk about. They don't. They can't relate to these conversations mm, that are being mm. started. So therefore, they say that they're lesser than, right. and they put it under the guise of like, "Oh, you're just leaning into identity. Like identity politics is dangerous because it's divisive and all these other things." And I think that is a, it, like it's a really prominent discussion mm. that is completely insane because if you are a rich white man and you have certain interests that you like to talk about in a specific worldview, it's colored by the baggage that you carry as a person mm, mm. and your lineage. So it's like you're absolving yourself of identity, but then you're pointing the finger at others and saying like, no, your problem is that you view the world too much through identity. And mm. so, and it, 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 it like, and I know people would, maybe some people would disagree with me on that. I don't think, maybe. That, I don't think that that's, I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but I don't, but, and, and I think the reason I don't think it's wrong is I don't think it's like limiting to the conversation. Right, right, right. I think it actually yeah. opens the conversation up to a larger degree. But I see how this goes back to that line of dialogue, which is very weighted because to connect it back to what you're saying right now about, um, you know, how, how the rich make the decision of what is talked about. Um, he is basically changing in order to meet his own standards. Um, Rex senior is changing the meaning of the term cheating. Totally. Exactly. He's he's saying some may call it cheating. Um, but, but tradition is so important to me that I'm actually going to call cheating tradition totally. and um now now the question is and i just thought this right now is he saying that cheating is the tradition or um what he's doing is is um is solidifying his tradition which is uh to say like solidifying his family solidifying his heritage and i think it can go both ways i think it's yeah both. i think it's supposed to be both yeah yeah, yeah. um because that's so, a good observation yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it definitely is a double meaning um and i love you know uh, Rex Jr. 
like is such a great i mean we talk a lot about like tertiary characters that are shown once and never again and this is one of, I mean, we'll never see him again but he's such a rich character more ways than one uh he's a great character because the moment he comes on on screen he's like filling a trope he he's this rich um uh pompous asshole who uh who you can see through it so much like he, you can tell he wants to be popular. You can tell he wants to be powerful, you know, offering shrimp and dip for everybody. But what's funny about him isn't just that he is like villainous and talks funny. What's funny is that he thinks it's that he thinks that he's amazing. Totally. And, and the viewer knows, oh, this guy's a fool. He's ridiculous. He's he's eating shrimp off of a picnic table um, in a captain's hat. Like it's it's both. Well, and the great thing about that scene is like, this is, there's shrimp and dip for everyone. And it's like, yeah, technically, but like, who the fuck wants to eat shrimp and dip besides you and your weird ilk? Right. Especially, you know I mean? especially it's like so in a part, like deaf, like, like, deaf. there's so many, it's like not classy actually. And, and yeah. it also is like, um, class, it's like very classist. It's, it's, it's well, it's, it's not a taste that normal people yeah, would like yeah. or care for. Um, so so you lump all that together. The fact that he just is a goofy character mixed with his, like the weight of his, his need for love. He also is a reasonable character. Like he, to me, the episode presents Arnold and Rex as like fierce competitors and they're having a really good time doing it. And like, like Rex sees it as a challenge. And so he ups the boat. He, he, like is is talking trash to Arnold but at the end what happens they shake hands like there's totally. this and, and even Rex says to his grandfather grandfather why are we doing this like he's like I don't need to cheat like yeah. I'm I I have this on my own so I like that he's not a full villain his grandpa really is the one setting the stage for villainy and and it has leaked down into his his persona but at the end of the day like Arnold and Rex are both dumb idiot kids who are having a good time and completely okay with it. And it's actually the grandparents who are the ones that totally. should be looked at with some disdain. Yeah. Um, it's like Rex, the younger one is like just purely benefiting from this, for the situation. Oh, totally. He yeah. reminds me of like a Kushner and Ivanka Trump <laughs> where it's like, there's something that's like, Oh, wait a minute. No, that's like a nod to him being a normal person. Yes. And yes. like, wait a minute. No, they aren't. You know what I mean? Like, even when he's like, that's a great game, old bean. Yeah, It's like yeah. nobody fucking talks yeah. like that. And the difference is, you can say in that moment, quote unquote, like, we are equals and we battled it out like equals, which they absolutely did not. <laughs> and then, like, they'll go on to their separate lives and he'll go to his mansion where his family owns the pond. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah, where, where yeah, everybody else is a fucking no, that's visitor. True. That's and true. And then yeah, yeah. Arnold would go back to his boarding house with, like, the, the rich, the, the poor minorities. Okay, okay, okay. So when you peel back the layers, yes. <laughs> it's fucking it, bankrupt. Like, like, when you peel back, yeah, of course. But but he's not presented as, as a... He's not unreasonable based on his means. Like, no, no, like no. he is... Like, in his paradigm, he's yeah. like as good as he could get. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like he's not cheating. Totally. Um, now he's using every advantage yeah, yeah. he has. But he knows no better. He he knows exactly. He yeah. knows no better. Except he knows better with the cheating thing. Like now he totally. he let his grandpa do it. But the, I think him saying why are we doing this yeah. was like a big moment. And also them shaking hands at the end. Even though you're right, you peel back the layers. He's still rich <laughs> and is creating whirlpools for the other. And I love all the other kids with, with remote controls are like shaking and yeah. like, it's like they're, 
when they're push they're pushing the button they're, ferociously yeah and he's like just tap tap <laughs> this like yeah. really like sort of idyllic yeah. pace cadence it, the well and the, i mean the the great thing about that quote too that's such a good quote it is yeah it carries the whole episode it totally it really does. does yeah and it shows you it's such a, like a nietzschean thing too because you have basically it shows you like normal morality which is like cheating is bad yeah you realize it's like to create passivity and is to create weakness and there's like and the Whoa. rich do not occupy that space yeah they don't yeah. think in your sort of bullshit morality they have created their own definitions of words they have their own motives they have their own way of dealing with things and they basically have their own morality and you can still say like being honest is important and it's a like a legitimate uh, ethical thing to do, which yeah. I think is a true statement. Yeah. But it, it, it does show you that like power, if your goal is power in some sort of way, yeah. that the sort of dominant ethics and morality that we deal with, like it, it, it can be at times problematic in that way yeah. because it's not a thing that everybody abides by. It's a thing everybody promotes on a surface level, right? But the most powerful people never abide by it. And that's how they attain oftentimes that much power. So and, if you want to talk about stealing, like um, corruption, like like insider dealing, like all that stuff is like extremely normal behavior for hyper wealthy yes. people. And and you're seeing it right now. There's so much coming out about it's like every member for or against Trump in politics right now is it's coming out like oh they cheated in this like like totally. just found out that Comey did something uh, like lied about something and it's like well i thought i was supposed to be a fan of comey because he stood up to trump and then you realize no they're all part of the same system totally this idea of like draining the swamp isn't real because he's he's trying to drain the swamp to replace the swamp with another swamp totally and uh, truly it would have to it would have to be someone it would have to be a truly middle class person i mean and and that's why uh, that's why, like, a Jimmy Carter kind of character is such a... Well, like, um, FDR was, like, that kind of guy. He, like, at, at, at the time, like, a lot of the appointments that he had and stuff were all, like, really yeah. regular people. And they were obviously knowledgeable about different things, and they came from different walks of life, but they weren't from the upper crust of society. The, the only... Yeah. And so uh, there, there's, a, there's a negative side of that. Jimmy Carter basically failed as a president. But the reason that he's looked at so well post-presidency is because he is... Like almost the, like a normal dude. Oh, he he's the last. He's the only normal president since who knows when. I yeah. mean, like he, which is what Bush played upon, but like was absolutely not. Like Bush was a fuck up, which made him seem like us because we're fuck ups true, true, in the true. eyes of like, yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean everything. Yeah, and he, but he's, he's still like came not from as, like a, the upper. He came echelon. from money. That yeah. the, the problem with the Bushes is that they come from money. They are more folksy in their conversation. But the fact is, like, like he was he was shooting deer from the back of his mom's Cadillac as opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. like, like hunt, like hunting like, for food. Yeah. Like he was he, like, they like, played with like, Oh, we like, we like hunting just like you. Yeah. But yeah. you hunt from your Cadillac, not yeah. like chomp tromping through the, like, it's just different, totally. you know? So, uh, well, and like another way to do this is I'll, we'll just move this very quickly, but like a really good example of this is like the way that like banking works. So mm-hmm. like if you basically run an institution so poorly that it compl- that it like goes under, you typically have to deal with the consequences of right, that. Right. If you start a business and you like run it into the ground and you do all these terrible things, like that people would say like, well, you did yeah. a bunch of bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a massive bank and you are massively corrupt, you do things with um... you're bailed out. I mean, yeah, come on. yeah, yeah. Well, and that's like the the idea yeah. of like being like. 
you, because they, it's like they create their decisions and, and the things they do create such a large wake. If we want to use, um, like the, the boating. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. Go on. <laughs> yeah. They, they create such like, they literally would create like the cha- like a, a, a thing like Wells Fargo collapsing yeah. would create like massive tsunami waves. Whereas oh, like, good point. Yes. Uh, yes. Us starting a small business, it goes like under, podcast, maybe. yeah, like this, yeah. like if we stopped this podcast today, uh, um, all hundred of you would be ripple. Uh, bummed yeah. out for like a day and then find yeah. another dumb podcast to listen to. Yeah. It, the ripples. Ripples. So, and I think that, that, just shows you like yeah sort of that's an example of that now you know i i can hear like uh uh the conservative i can't hear that i know you're you (laughs) yeah you hear what you want to hear oh my gosh you you just like dug your dug your own grave right there um not not that i disagree with you i know i know uh but uh you know that like oh well they're painting these like uh, these capitalists as villains yes um Quite literally. Yeah, Quite exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's what, yeah. Yes, they are now. Now, like I, uh, like the this is the epitome, and I like that they're they're like faux British because it makes them feel like monarchs as opposed yes, to yeah, they're like aristocratic. Tr- they're aristocratic, and what I like about that is um, they're they're differentiating them from the best case scenario, like so clearly. Yeah. Um. And and. Like these are the examples of, Oh, this is the problem with a monetized society. Like they're not talking about, we don't, we don't need to talk about the good, the, the positives about capitalism. We already know that because we live it day by day. Like we, we participate in trade and we go to the store and we like have food on our table that um, was fairly easy to get. There's a thousand different types of cereals you get. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like we know. So like we're shitting on now. Adam is like a red, as we all know. Um, uh, but not a Republican. Not a Republican red, like yeah, a commie red. Kidding. No, I, I, and what I mean is like I mostly agree with what Adam says, but I think the reason that um, you're very, you're diplomatic, which is a good. I'm thing. diplomatic. The reason that we're passionate about like calling this stuff out and, and and getting excited about them presenting these guys as villains is that um, it's important to talk about the dark side of anything. Uh, Totally. Even a thing, even a thing that we participate in daily, like, like we can shit on this all, all we want and then go buy a beer tonight, you totally, know, which like, we will. yeah, we're going to participate in the thing we're critiquing, but this, this, but this isn't like, and any of you listening knows that this, um, guy saying it's not cheating, it's tradition. That's not abnormal. Now it's not the norm, but it's somewhere in between. It's more normal than we want to admit. It's like normal, but it it's, it's like the air that we breathe. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like sure. so ubiquitous of a concept that it's a thing that like we live with the consequences of yes, it all, exactly. every day, yeah, yeah. but we don't, but it's not always extremely visible. Yeah. The majority of people we know aren't thinking about capitalism this way. Like the majority of bosses we have aren't, aren't yeah, yeah, like they're not malicious, like quite you know? like villainous. Yeah, they're like, not villainous, but they're participating in a thing that um, is has the oppor- that yeah, has the opportunity to be yeah. that any time of the day. Well, and, and even, yeah, like... Even just the type of cup we drink out of, at a at um the restaurants we go to versus the restaurants yes. that the lower income does. It's not a massive difference, but it's yeah. enough that even something as small as that is like, oh, there's an example of like, totally. like class really speaking out. Yeah, and and I think I think like what capitalism totes is that oh no, we're not the feudal system, we're not the caste system. That's how, that's what it came out of. Totally. And I think 
just as much as it has the opportunity to to leave the feudal system or the caste system in the dust, it's still, because of just human nature, I guess, it still produces not as bad as a caste system, but it's still there. Well, and it, what it does is it blurs the lines really well. And I think mm-hmm. a, a phenomenal example, which we kind of already have talked about, um, but a phenomenal example is the way that they show the pettiness of the two grandfathers. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you, you look at them as both as the fool, Right, right in this right, episode, right. but like, and yes, they are the fool. But but who they are as a person, what they stand for, is not equal. No, no. You know, what I mean, and I think the the brilliance of our form of capitalism that we live under is the ability to even in this in even in Hey Arnold to create this sort of mirage of them as being equal fools, mm. because they absolutely are not equal fools. They would have it, it, to be equal fools. It would have to be. Two aristocratic people doing that same thing to one another, right? yeah, or two yes. low-income people doing that to one another. Like the, the the example, like the fact that like a poor person may have a drinking problem and a rich person may have a drinking problem does not make them the same. No, because they're, they're coming from different places, and exactly, different reasons. and they have inherently have different privileges and different power. And so, you know, we can we can look at grandpa as a person and say, oh, like versus Rex Senior as a person and say, oh, grandpa's clearly that more centered, morally centered, ethically centered person. Maybe. I mean, there's like some jokes that (laughs) maybe he's not, but, but I think they both have fallen for the same trap, which is that pettiness, pettiness and competition, but like not good, like petty competition. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, they, they're different men falling for the same trap. Totally. And in reality, like grandpa's way more to lose. Like even though the, 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 even though the aristocratic grandfather has more money, has more money and acts like there's more on the line. It's not, this is like an anthill. You know what I mean? Like in comparison to the other things in his life. But, but that I think shows you the, how entrenched that sort of idea of power is for those types of people, which is every single thing that they approach is a battle that like, Yes. carries forward yeah. their legacy. And I think I think a trope that grandpa falls in and I, and, and uh, uh, I think any grandfather or grandmother character in a show is going to have um, this kind of weight and we talked about it earlier baggage. Um, but there've been many times where so so the positive version of what I'm going to mention is like the uh, big Caesar the fishing episode where grandpa basically passes this Excalibur sword fishing rod to his grandson and says, I once hunted this same beast. I'm going to now train you um, emotionally to do the same here. Take your sword, take your sword and go. And, and it's a very similar thing in both cases, in both um, big Caesar. And in this episode, um, grandpa welcomes these two young men into re basically rebuilding the past rebuilding legacy and that's a beautiful thing but one ended with um a true understanding between arnold and grandpa where arnold by catching and letting go big caesar um understood grandpa more in this case uh like seeing grandpa's pettiness did arnold did learn something about his grandpa but it wasn't a positive thing but both are the same conversation and so i think the majority of times that grandpa bestows wisdom of the past onto Arnold, it's a positive thing. Even if it's a little kooky, I think most of the time in this series, it's been positive. This is an example where it's like, oh no, I forgot that grandpa's a loon. Like he's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. And, and petty, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we'll, uh, this is not going to be the last time we talk about 
family legacy because that's really what this show's about because Arnold's an orphan and he's struggling to figure out who he is. And so they do put a lot of weight on what does it mean to be Arnold? What does it mean to be the grandson of these two people? Um, and so yeah. there's weight to it. And, and yeah, so there's, I know that there's, I can think off the top of my head, a couple episodes that are eventually going to come down the line that are about family legacy. So totally. I don't know. It's, it, this is like the second or third time this has come up. Yeah. Um, and it's going to keep coming. Well, yeah, and I, that that part of it, although it seems like on the nose, I think it's actually very interesting, is just like the way that we reason through sort of our like familial baggage. I think it's just interesting, and I think how that the rich uh, the rich kid does it and how Arnold does it is is both very interesting. It's like mm-hmm. they're both. It's like each of them have autonomy to some degree, but they're still like trapped within this sort of like historical context of their family. This like, yeah, lineage of their family. Arnold is forced. And I liked the physicality of it, but he's forced to physically help rebuild this past by, um, cleaning, uh, this moldy boat by rebuilding it, by adding the sails, by adding the rudder. Like totally. That's a physical symbol of him participating in, in his heredity. Yeah. Um, her- heredity, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas the other kid is like, like grandpa owns the pond. Yeah. Uh, why well, are we cheating? Well, like, and he has the privilege to have something brand new, which is like his, yeah. his boat was brand new. Mm. Whereas, and that I think is also it, it like, Oh, int- that's good. Yeah. And I, and whereas Arnold was like forced to use something from his past and take mm. all the negative. Mm. But then what's also kind of poetic and beautiful about it is that because they had to reach in the past to to use grandpa's boat, it's like the tools or like the sails of the past yeah. actually enabled him to win yes. because it's more in tune with nature and it's more in tune with the way things actually work. Whereas his was so in advanced and so progress, like progressive in, in a sort of pejorative sense. That in in it, an it industrial like, revolution sense. Totally. That it like did not allow... It found the past to be useless and, mm. and even in a technological sense. And therefore, when a few things went wrong, the entire yes. thing was inoperable. It didn't work at all. Yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, we, there's a lot more of this episode. When you watch it, like that was kind of silly, but there actually is a ton of stuff in here. Yeah. We just talked about it for an hour. I'm shocked. Uh, okay. So um, we've talked about Familial, yeah, family tradition, heritage, um, uh, industrial revolution. I mean, we've talked about a lot. Uh, you know, we have kind of an added segment, not that we'll talk about Cry of the Week in a second, but every once in a while we're able to talk about let's shit on Arnold. And um, so I, this episode, we can do it. Yeah. Uh, and the reason is he, he keeps signing up for, like, this yeah. is the 10th time that he said, like, we're going to do it even better. And Gerald's like, hold on. And Arnold doesn't listen. It's like, no. like what he should have said was, I don't have the means to, to win. Like yeah. not, not because um, I'm lesser than, but because of the system, totally. I don't need to prove anything. I already, I'm like, if he was truly um, confident in himself and his peers, then he wouldn't have to stand up for anybody. It's like the pettiness that his grandfather has. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He, he can't, um, he's not doing it because he thinks he's better than anybody he's doing it because of honor he, yeah. he's standing up yeah. for honor and that's good but the fact is like he only quote won and then lost because it still sank yeah i mean really at the end they both sink yeah, like, yeah. like there's something very 
and I, and I'll talk about that in the cry of the week, but that there's this like like heavy weight that neither the past nor the future can carry, totally. and that is the weight of familial responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, regardless, the fact that Arnold can't shut his damn mouth and just go, uh, "I know you are, but what am I? See you later." Like, yeah, yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. No. Well, and I, I, there's like. If there's, I know there's probably some fan fiction type folks out there that are listening to this. We know for a fact. There's uh, for sure. Yeah. And if, if somebody wants to write and send to us uh, a version of this episode where Arnold does not have a grandfather that was in this competition mm-hmm. and just can't come up with a boat that actually works. We're like, their only thing they have is the log boat. I would love to hear that, how that story yeah, plays out. Yeah, yeah, Because it would show kind of what you're saying about the stupidity of Arnold's decision-making. Yeah. Oh, totally. And the second one is is <laughs> where when the, they create the whirlpool that mm-hmm. Arnold gets out of. What's hilarious about that is there's something in this this type of storytelling actually is very irritating to me. Um, it's like the Oprah Winfrey style of, of, of narrative, which is like, look, she made it. She's so fuck, fucking successful. If you haven't made it, it's because you didn't work hard, you know, type of mentality. So it's like out of the eight or 10 people that like that were, went, in the, that yeah. were in the thing, like the only person that made it out of the whirlpool created by the rich person was Arnold. One person. Yeah. The rest of them quite literally were sunk in there. Yeah. And yeah. I would love to hear the story of those kids going home after that race yeah. and yeah. having to like deal with the sorrow of having this rich yeah. fuck basically destroy well, their boat Stinky that they built. Already, Stinky was already depressed. Defeated. Yeah. Yes. And, like he hadn't even... He, there's something and that about, was the right way to feel because he, because yeah. he knew how this shit works. Yeah. There's something... I, the first thing I said when we started watching it was, I love this, like just kids having a good time with boats. And then it like... <laughs> Instantly, Stinky goes, I'll never win. Yeah. But there's like, there's like. He was right. He's right. But yeah. there, there were, there were like 20 kids. You, you, yes. they pan by all the kids from Arnold's school yeah. have boats in their hand and they're totally. so happy. And boats are snobby until you see kids happy about boats floating in the water. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you're like, oh no, boats are actually a timeless way yeah. of kids engaging with nature. Yeah. Like it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But, but there's this like sadness that Stinky just passes along to everybody else. Well, that's what's hilarious. Is like the, these kids at their home built these boats with their bare fucking hands. Yeah. With limited resources. Dude, you are staying fuck so much. It's insane. I'm, I'm, I'm worked out. Yeah. yeah. They, we're, 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 they built these little boats. I care about these kids. They, oh my they, gosh. They, they built these boats with their bare hands. Yes. This rich person sunk them and destroyed them yes those kids had to go defeated and you do get to see them interact with arnold and his victory as like almost like it's a victory for all of us yeah, he's rocky I yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but ugh, but that's so shallow but i feel like it I, I just i love the idea of like them after arnold's sort of victory subsides they just don't have that boat anymore yeah you know what gone. i mean it's yeah, gone yeah. yeah um so it's not like the little man can prevail it's like one little man gets to prevail you know what I mean? But not really because he but, didn't even win, which is, again, exactly. Rocky. It's Rocky. Yeah. It's like um, it's such a weird, interesting narrative structure. So to jump a, a little more about shitting on Arnold. So first we can shit on him because he uh, uh, signed up for a thing he has no yes. business signing up for. Cool. But the second thing is him. Oh, it, made me, it makes me so mad. It This is like the kind of um, uh, this is where the snowflake shit started. <laughs> this right here, <laughs> which is Arnold building 
on a not even a log a log would do better than this yeah. a block of cheap wood with like uh, like stapled rudder and like a sock for a sail like the most embarrassing yeah. like even a nine-year-old would go this isn't a boat yeah like maybe a five-year-old would say this is a boat a nine-year-old says this isn't a boat i've seen the other i've seen the worst boat this isn't that boat this it's like abstract art yeah it's like yeah yeah exactly and Ger- gerald is Ger- uh, Gerald and Arnold both act as the straight men most of the time. Neither yeah. of them are usually that kooky. And so even in this episode, Arnold's not that kooky. But this moment made me so mad, which yeah. is when Gerald goes, Arnold, this isn't a boat. This is going to sink. What are we even doing? Yeah. And Arnold says, come on, man, use your imagination. It's like, no. Yeah, everybody gets a star. Like, yeah. It's like, and then, but I mean, I'm glad that the show was a realist and it yeah, just it sank, it sank immediately. Um so I mean I'm not mad at the show I'm mad at Arnold for I'm just... mad at Craig specifically stop he didn't write this episode so what what are you mad at him about um, no this is this is uh, I am not against snowflake Craig. mentality uh, oh no I'm a snowflake through and through but this is the kind of this is the negative Pie version. In the sky. Yeah, yeah, it's like not realistic yeah. like like you can't see what's in front of you yeah, yeah. like he Arnold is so determined he's so rocky determined that rocky isn't even a good example because rocky knows he's gonna lose like he's he's like (laughs) stinky like yeah like who i'm trying to think of an example of like like he's 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 um like a Wee herman like no just (laughs) completely cockeyed optimist but it's not because he's happy-go-lucky it's because he he believes in a greater good so much that he's blinded by what's like that was a good take Arnold is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, yeah. This is like this is not Arnold's best moment. No. Uh, but it works out all right. No, it does. As it works it out. Does for yeah. That fool. Um, okay, cry of the week. Uh, just to wrap up, um, I think there are a couple options. Yeah. Mine uh, is when everybody's boat sinks. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so sad. Yeah, I think. I mean, I. Th- I think it's when the two boats at the end crash and nobody wins because family expectation is too much. That's that's what it's saying. In and summary, boat sinking is sad. Yeah. Well, either way, boats are sinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- just like Phoebe saying so over the microphone, so blandly, like Arnold's boat has sunk and so has Rex's, and that's it. Like yeah. there's no like like n- nobody wins. Yeah. Um. Which is, I mean, that's the way it is in capitalism, yeah, you know. Yeah. Nobody wins. True, real, truly, nobody wins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So thanks for joining us. Thank this you. This has been uh, us talking nerdy. It's been a few weeks. We're back, it's baby. Been, it's been. A few uh, and Adam is a married man. I and, am sorry, ladies. Uh, yeah, sorry, ladies. The sultry voice is taken. Um, sm- smooth, buttery voice. <laughs> Uh, we do have a song for you. Um, uh, just a reminder, uh, Hey Arnold is a lot about the music. And so we like to give you a little taste of what we're listening to. Uh, that's jazz, funk, uh, soul related. Um, sometimes just good electronic. Yeah. But usually one of those. Four. Yeah. There's always uh, a good groove. Exactly. The groove this, is and this is a groovy tune. Uh, it's called Omaha. It's by Toro y Moi. Uh, it's just a single right now, so look it up on your favorite streaming uh, service. Um, and email us, hey.handledhey yeah. at gmail.com. Throw us a comment. Please. Uh, email, say hello. Oh, we'll please rate it. and review. Please. We're rate and re- uh, thanks for listening. Thank Enjoy you. the tunes.